I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Always looking for cool new subjects here on Talk is Jericho. And this is uh, something that's very, very cool. It is a uh, Lucha Libre play, like a live Broadway-style play. It's called Lucha Teotl. Is that, am I getting that right? Lucha Teot. Teot. Okay, so this is Chris uh, Ramirez here. He is the uh, the writer, uh, the director. Uh, what exactly does that mean, Lucha Teot? So, uh, so Lucha Libre, as we know as wrestling fans, is free fighting. And the title of our production is Lucha Teot, which translates as The Fighting Gods. As the, uh, the co-creator and co-director of this piece, we were really interested in putting the world of Aztec gods and putting it in the world of professional wrestling. Interesting, because I remember there's a, a great uh, movie about a flying serpent, and it's called Q. But it's short for Kutsikil Toto or whatever. So it means like something got like a flying god or whatever it may be. Um, so that's kind of tying in with your guys' title of the play. Explain how this all came about. And, and, and obviously we've got Paloma Stars here and Askey the Mayan Warrior who are stars of the play. But why don't you take it off, Chris, and kind of tell us how this all began and how you got Paloma and Askey uh, involved. Yeah, for sure. So I'm actually glad that you mentioned the Quetzalcoatl Q movie. Because, Quetzalcoatl. Uh, yeah, I always say it wrong. Is that Quetzalcoatl? Yeah, no, you're, you're still... Well, brother, we've been doing this for years, and I'm barely figuring out how to pronounce these uh, Aztec names. Right. So, uh, Quetzalcoatl is actually a character in the play. So, for those of you oh, that know so he's in the play. Movie, yeah, you'll be able to see the character Quetzalcoatl in the flesh. So, basically, uh, this goes back to like 2019, where um, Jeff Colangelo, who was creating this piece with me, he's a incredible theater artist and producer and director and writer. And he had just done a play that was MMA fighting with a theatrical wrap around it. And he told me, he was like, hey, man, I'm actually thinking of doing a Lucha Libre play where all the luchadores are Aztec gods. I know that, you know, you live and breathe professional wrestling. So I'm going to you, man. Are you are you in? And I went, absolutely. Hell yeah. 
So he and I met at a sandwich shop. Again, this is like May of 2019. We met in a sandwich shop and sat down. And within an hour, an hour and a half, we had basically on a napkin the skeleton of what would be Lucha build. And we said, all right, we know we want the two main characters to be the sun god and the moon god. The sun god being Huitzilopochtli and the moon goddess, it's a woman, being Koyol Shauki. And we said, what if they're both, which is Paloma Sar, what if they're both third generation wrestlers? What does that look like? What, is, what does it look like if these two third generation wrestlers come head to head and both are kind of fighting to be the top of the wrestling company that we've come up with? So that was what the idea was in 2019. And then amidst the pandemic, when, you know, we were all sitting at home and getting antsy and there was nothing to do and it felt like the world was falling apart, we started writing this piece and we started writing the script and submitted it to a incredible program in Dallas called the Elevator Project, where they give small nonprofit theaters the opportunity to perform in high tech spaces. And in the summer of 2021, we opened the show and sold out the entire run. People had never seen a play like this. We're the first ever pro wrestling play. It was such a massive success in Dallas that it got the attention of the Goodman Theater in Chicago. And they were like, wait a minute, you're telling me that this is a play with real wrestling matches and real promos and everything. We said, yeah. And they said, well, we'd love to produce it. And that is what is up on the dock. And fun fact, Aski is not only a cast member in the show, but he's also the Lucha trainer and advisor for both productions. For lack of a better term, he's the agent of the matches. So he helps produce the matches when we're rehearsing and everything. And uh, Paloma Star here is the lead character, Koyo Shauki, the moon goddess. So we lucked out in finding a talented pro wrestler that not only could act, but could be an unstoppable force. Let's go to Oski here. So when you're training the, the people and the cast members, because you're doing, I would assume, the same match every night. Uh, so are a lot of the cast members trained luchadors? Are they actors? Are they a combination of the two? It's a little bit of a combination of the two, but primarily we we did focus more on trained wrestlers to minimize. Right. I mean, when you go on day in, day out, you know, nonstop wrestling, you know, the body could take, you know, take a toll on it. Right. We decided to, when Chris and Jeff and I were talking about this whole thing, you know, one of the biggest things that I recommended for them is to focus on primarily on, on wrestlers. Because if we want to do something about pro wrestling that is lucha libre i mean what better to actually have people that actually know the business and actually know how to protect themselves because this is uh what we tell everybody this is actually you walking into what you feel like is going to be a wrestling show we're going to have a full-blown actual match every single time you see the play you're going to see matches happening at the same time so how do you approach training them and kind of putting together the matches? Because obviously I'm assuming there's some kind of a flow to the play where the matches are kind of the background to the overall story, but maybe not necessarily the highlight or the, or the cornerstone of the play. 
we take a day a day. We take, you know, we, we start piecing everything together based on what the storyline is, uh, you know, putting it together. So we go through all the basics. We, you know, we piece everything together piece by piece to make sure that the story that we're telling inside the ring is going is ties into the actual story that's behind, you know, in the background. So Paloma, let me ask you a question. How did you get involved in this? I know you trained to wrestle with Team Taz, which is, uh, we'll talk about that, but now you're actually, Uh, becoming a thespian you're an actor now as well as a pro wrestler it is such an awesome opportunity because i've been in theater all my life and i've been sports all my life including wrestling so this totally combines what i love the most i mean i was an actress in theater before i was a wrestler i was a wrestler so the fact that i could do both at the same time just like blows my mind i didn't even think that this was a possibility so shout out to to chris and jeff for creating this possibility but i was actually being sent this uh posting this casting a call for that was calling for a latina uh speaks spanish has wrestling experience and has theater experience i'm like hello hi it's me you're literally looking for me (laughs) so i had the the posting be sent to me so many times i reached out to chris since i actually wrestled chris's sister Paige turner back in texas when i started wrestling in texas i would wrestle her all the time and she actually had suggested me for the first time around the production in texas in dallas i was suggested to be in the play but at that time i was already living in chicago so i without even me knowing i've been in the orbit of this uh the lucha Teol play without even me knowing so now that it was in chicago i got all the information submitted my stuff got an audition it was super fun auditioning because when i first walked in and it was just blue mats there so i'm like are we bumping on mats right now uh, so yeah just basically just a great opportunity that i learned through people sending me the post about about it and being just killed it in the audition i mean i think so since i'm here and then ended up getting a call back and now we're here and we're rolling so it's a really it's just awesome how it all worked out. What they were looking for is what I could bring to the table. And it's awesome that I could just showcase what I could do in a bigger stage. How did you audition for the for the play? What did you have to do? Oh, I, the first audition was a movement call. So we had to do roles. It was like a first day of training, front roles, back roles, three quarter roles, easy stuff like that. And what was interesting is in my training, in my audition group, because it was different days audition, there was all kinds of different people. There was also other independent wrestlers there as well. But there was somebody who was like had circus experience, somebody who was a personal trainer, somebody who was an amateur wrestler, somebody even who did Mai Tai and stuff like that. So everybody had some sort of physicality experience, but not necessarily necessarily wrestling so then we had to then we were shown a spot that we had to do super easy it was like lock up top wrist lock reverse like super easy i'm like oh this and then we broke up into groups i'm like oh i got this this is easy and the people in my group i was the only one with wrestling experience so i had to kind of like show them how where to place your hands when you lock up how to do a top wrist lock how to reverse out of it and they even told me like i'm so glad you're in our group because you know, not a lot of people have that experience and have that knowledge. For me, like, yes, I know I could do this, but I felt, and when I auditioned, I'm like, oh, this is where I wanted to play more of a of a mentor or like a, almost a trainer part, even in the audition itself, because I wouldn't be like, oh, let me help these people out. And I feel like that maybe helped me stand out more because I was more being a team player as opposed to just putting myself over. I wanted to make sure that everybody else who didn't have wrestling experience were able to get the spot, the super easy spot that I'm like, oh, I could literally do this in my sleep spot. But it's super new for anybody. Did you have to show any acting chops at all? Like, was, was that part yes. of it too? Yeah. Yeah. We not only after we like learned a little spot, then we presented our spot to everybody and everybody who was there was for like part of the audience. So that's when we really got to bring our acting stuff. Like what we do, like getting into the ring, 
bring before you lock up and that's where I was able to bring like my character that I already do in it like I was like I literally already uh, do it so it's like a plug and play so there was a lot of timing during the spots where we could show our acting skills and then the callback was a little bit more a movement stuff we added a body slam to the spot that we're going through but we also had a read we had to read through the parts that we were auditioning for I had read for two different parts and that was actually my very first like real real audition because all the other times was just like children plays or like high school and never had like the daunting task of like standing in front of a row of people and like having your read from a script so I was a little bit nervous but after the first time even Chris is like yeah right this is your first time auditioning I'm like well <laughs> like a real audition like this is nothing like it was like high school theater. So uh, <laughs> it was it was definitely a little bit nerve wracking. But I the way I saw it, I'm like, I was just cutting a promo. I'm like, I feel like I'm pretty confident cutting a promo. So I literally felt like I was just cutting a promo. And they told me what the what the bullet points are. And I just had to hit it. And I felt really comfortable mm. doing it. It was lots of fun. I just literally, I even thought like if I get a part or not, the fact that I, that this even exists and the fact right. that I could get an opportunity to be part of it was awesome to see so many aspects of wrestling being installed into a theater production. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about, like, how big is the cast? What is the actual kind of basic storyline of, of the play? It's a rather small cast. There are six wrestlers total. Two of those are the same characters, and the other four put on different masks and play different gods. Then, obviously, we have the commentators, the MC, the camera operators, and all that. Uh, one thing that is really exciting about Lucha Teot and this production is that we have seen in the media a lot of things about pro wrestling. We've seen like Heels, Glow, uh, The Wrestler, the theatrical play, The Elaborate Interest of Chad Deity. The thing that sets us apart and why this is a first timer is that all those plays are about pro wrestling and our show is a pro wrestling play. That means that the storytelling devices that you are used to, Chris, is the way we are telling our stories. It is full matches. It is full in-ring promos. There is special pyro effects, a big screen. Uh, the set is literally a giant Aztec pyramid with a calendar off to the side. So when you walk in to the make-believe world of Lucha Delta Alliance, LTA, that's our wrestling company, when you walk into the theater, you're going to feel like you're going to an AEW taping, like a WWE taping, and believe that this is a fully functioning wrestling show that tours the country that has been around for 30 years. So that is the aesthetic to expect. And in terms of how it works, you, you, you walk in and... We're going to have colorful posters and markers and encourage the patrons to make signs. We have to keep in mind, yes, wrestling fans are going to come watch the show, but a lot of people that have scoffed at professional wrestling and are theater goers are also going to come see this show. And this is our opportunity as people that are passionate about the industry to show these people that might look down upon professional wrestling, that professional wrestling is a high art and give them that experience. So you walk in, loud Mexican music playing, you see this giant Aztec pyramid, 
There's signs, it's a party, and then the show starts. And just like any other wrestling show, there's a big video promo that says, this is LTA, and the audience chants LTA, and then we start with an opening match promo, and we head into the, the first match of the night. And the, the story follows the character Huitzilopochtli, we call him Huitzi for short, because I'm not about to ask people to pronounce Huitzilopochtli <laughs> multiple <laughs> sure. times in one show. So it follows Huitzi, who's a third-generation wrestler, and the play starts with his debut match. Very, think, um, John Cena debuting and fighting Kurt Angle and the rookie coming in and saying, I have a lot to prove. He has his first match and then along the way meets another third-generation wrestler named Coyle. She's a female wrestler and she has a lot more experience than he does. So she kind of takes him under his wing and says, do you want to be the best in LTA? I'll teach you how to be the best. She comes from the Rudolf's side of the family, and he is a technical. So she's like, you know what? Let me teach you uh, a little bit about the Rudolf life. So they go on this journey, and the story really follows their storyline. Essentially, it is eight months of a wrestling program condensed into 90 minutes of a theatrical play. So you're going to see multiple matches following this storyline arc, and it'll climax at the end with a very, I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say a very theatrical ending. <laughs> and that's amazing, though. So you're kind of telling the story of a, you know, of a, of a pro wrestling story, but within the course of this 90-minute play, for example. One of the things that, that we always say is, this is a play for people that are pro wrestling fans and for people that don't know they're pro wrestling fans yet. Right. Now, so why do you feel that you said that people who, who don't know wrestling might look down on it? Are you thinking they're going to come to the theater anyways just because it's the theater? Well, yeah. Um, you know, the, the Goodman Theater, which is where we're producing the show, has their season subscribers. So they have people that already have their tickets and will come to the show. I think that we will get them in the door, but I don't know if you know this, Chris, but right now the, the American theater is hurting. There are multiple reputable theaters uh, across the nation that are closing down or going dark for a year because a large chunk of the audience has just disappeared post-COVID. Post-COVID, right. Yeah, and you know, any, any, anything in the entertainment industry is hurting right now. So uh, that has caused a lot of theaters to hurt. And one thing that we are offering is a different take on, on theater. Obviously, people are used to going to the theater and sitting quietly and taking in a story. And we are inviting people that are theater goers to say, listen, the American theater is, is hurting. Why don't you come into our space and try something new? Try something where you can shout. Try something where you can boo. Try something where you can cheer. And still, at the same time, get a theatrical experience. Hmm. So we're hoping that not only will we get those subscribers, but we will also get some curious theater goers to come into the space and say, oh, wait a minute. Pro wrestling is theater. I had no idea. I wonder if there's an indie show that I could go to or oh, AEW's coming to town. Maybe I can see that. You know what I mean? On top of that, you know, we have wrestling fans that will hopefully come see the show. We, Jeff and I are very passionate about presenting Lucha Libre and professional wrestling uh, with as much respect as we can so that we can create new fans out of people. Now, Oski, um, you have quite the lineage in Lucha Libre. So tell me about that lineage and, and how do you feel that this uh, play with the Aztec element as well respects and, and, and promotes and uh, celebrates Lucha Libre? 
No, absolutely, Chris. I mean, I've been in this. I've been in the. I've been in the industry now 22 years. I kicked that off in Dallas. I was trained under uh, Rodney Mack and Jazz. I was actually the the first class that they ever took on down in uh, in Dallas. And then after that, I went down to Mexico. I did a little bit of time in Mexico with uh, a few guys out there. Uh, Bobby Lee Jr. His father was uh, had a rivalry with uh, El Santo with Blue Team, and I trained under his wing for you know several months. Came back to uh, Texas, started running around with uh, some of the Lucha Libre guys here. And then uh, about 10 years ago, I went under the uh, tutelage of uh, Blue Demon Jr. Robert, Roberto. <laughs> yeah. And not only not only is he uh, my godfather, as you know, in Lucha Libre, you know, we get we get a padrino. He uh, gave me that honor of being my padrino. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just talked to him a little while ago. He's in Spain today. <laughs> so nice. I, I told him, I was like, you're in Spain. I'm in uh, Istanbul. I'm like, that's a <laughs> great combination. <laughs> yeah. So I've been under his tutelage for the last 10 years. And I mean, I mean, growing up watching his dad and then watching him and then now being part of his team and, you know, and taking on the mantle as, you know, as far as, you know, what a masked wrestler, luchador has to protect and you know providing that heritage i mean just my name alone means friend or amigo in the mayan dialect so when chris and jeff approached me about the storyline and the idea of keeping the heritage and also bringing in lucha libre to pay the homage to all of that uh, i found it very close to the heart uh, i grew up with this i I'm a historian by heart also. So just the idea that he's incorporating everything that's, you know, so close to my culture, I jumped on, you know, without even hesitating to it. I just didn't think too much of it. And, you know, and I will tell you, I mean, Chris and Jeff are definitely taking this very serious, uh, the cultural aspect of it, the respect of Lucha Libre. And I definitely have been uh, very blessed to be part of this whole entire team. Paloma, what's your wrestling story? How did you get in the business and, and how did you get attracted to, I know you said the audition for this, but I mean, I'm sure you never expected that you'd be doing Lucha Libre in a theater for a part of a play. Not at all. Definitely. I didn't think this was possible. I can't even say this is a dream come true because I didn't think this dream was even yeah. possible. <laughs> Who had but the I'm dream, here, right? Yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't even dream this up, but it's here. So I'm here for it. So I actually grew up in Juarez, Mexico, right on the border, right next to El Paso. And I would cross the border every day to go to school. So it was really fun experience having to cross the border every day. And I didn't know speak any English, but my earliest memories of wrestling was going to the Lucha Libre shows when my mom and my grandma would always stay there all, all night, all day it doesn't matter how long it took and when I was seven years old I met my favorite luchador ever Tinieblas and his little mini Aluche he was having yeah. a signing a local a grocery store so I'm like this is so awesome I wish I could do this but in Lucha Libre and growing up in Mexico I just thought you just were a wrestler I thought it was right. like a family business I had no idea about training I had no idea about schools I just thought you just were born a wrestler or like you did it because like your family did it and I actually didn't know there was other wrestling besides Lucha Libre till I moved to the States full time when I was like about eight years old. And that's, I'm like, wait, what? There's other wrestling besides Lucha Libre? I could not believe it. And that's when I really started getting into all types of wrestling, WWF, WCW, WWE. And then when I was in high school, I started going to local wrestling shows and they had a Lucha Libre show and they were like, oh, we're having Lucha Caliente Girl tryouts next show. I'm like, oh, I have no idea what that is, but I'm down. 
turns out that they were just ring girls. Like you get to be a ring girl. Like you're very stereotypical ring girl. Like the more like a UFC than a manager valet as opposed to like a wrestling manager. They just wanted a straight up ring girl. And I went up and talked to the promoter and I was like, hey, I'm interested in being a ring girl. And he's like, well, you don't look like a ring girl. And I'm like, WTF, what is that supposed to mean? And he's like, right. I'm like, what? And he's like, well, have you ever thought about being a wrestler? I'm like, yeah. Um, doesn't everybody think about being a wrestler at one point? And he's like, this is where we train. This is our next show. Come check it out. And this was my senior year of high school. This is like right before I graduated. Checked out the training, checked out the next show. And I'm like, I could do this. Like, this is a thing. Yes, I'm down. I'm here for it. The next show, I got thrown in to be a manager heel for like their biggest heel that they had. And it was in the main event. I like helped them win. I was like, I am hooked. I'm here for this. But then like two weeks later, I moved to San Antonio to college. I was going to UTSA. And then I'm like, oh, now I know there's wrestling schools. So I looked up wrestling schools, found a local wrestling school there in San Antonio, got my ass kicked for like two years. I was the only woman in my class, did a whole bunch of stupid course stuff very early on in my uh, career. That's why I never say like I wrestled the first two Two, three years of my career because I don't know. I was just getting hit with light tubes and chairs because I thought that was a good idea. Uh, but then uh, in 2012, Team Taz came around and I saw that Taz was hosting a finishing school. He wasn't interested in like training people from the like how to do a headlock. He was interested in like how to refine already known, already trained wrestlers. So that's right. really where I feel I really like learned everything, everything about wrestling and not only just about wrestling, but about the business itself. I mean, I was the first woman to train under Taz, which was awesome. Super intense. Like literally he had an orange and black, of course, sign next to the ring that said like intensity. Just really uh, learned, uh, kept on learning from there. Also my husband, Cody Jones, helped me train a lot. They got me to where I'm at now. And I knew I wanted to move away from Texas because I was living in Texas, in Amarillo, Texas. I'm like, I don't want to live here anymore. I want, I know I wanted to move somewhere. I just didn't know where. I was wrestling a lot in Resistance Pro with Billy Corgan when Billy Corgan used to own that back in 2014. And I said, screw it. Let's move to Chicago, and because I know Chicago is a huge hotbed for wrestling. And it paid off. Yeah, it paid off. Now I'm here. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Chris, let me ask you a question. So when you first wrote this script and came up with this idea, and I know you mentioned how you kind of pitched it, but it was very brief. How did you get this up and running in the first place? Because you mentioned the first one was in Dallas. So how do you kind of convince people for all the reasons that you said that there is a little bit of a, sometimes a little bit of an attitude towards wrestling, especially in the theater. How dare you bring <laughs> such, you know, low level, low brow entertainment. So how were you able to pitch it and what was your mindset and how were you able to sell it right away? It, it really was a team effort between myself and Jeff. Like I mentioned before, Jeff is a little bit more from the producing world. So he's able to be really smart about creating like pitch decks. Right. So we did it in Dallas. Like I said, it was a massive success here. And he and I just kind of had an understanding as the Dallas production was closing, we just said the next stop for this production is Chicago. We, we like to say that this project is in phases. 
phase two was is Chicago. So then it was like, all right, well, how do we get on the radar of the Goodman Theater in Chicago? Thankfully, that same summer that we closed the Dallas production, I was doing a show at the Goodman as an actor doing American Mariachi. And uh, when I got a tour of the theater, I saw the space in the round. And the second I walked into the building, I said, oh, this is where our show needs to be produced. You know, three balconies, it's the perfect space. Now, how are we going to get on the radar? So Jeff, being the incredible producer that he is, put together a pitch deck with demographics. I want to say that 70 plus percent of the audience in Dallas was Latino. I want to say like 80% was people 18 to 35. That's like the demo that everyone wants to wants to get. Sure, of course. So I think that was enticing to the Goodman. And having done a show there, you know, I got to know some of the artistic staff there. And we just shot our shot and sent them an email and said, hey, this is why I think that we are a good show for you. Funny story, me being me, I'm a very ambitious and person, sin vergüenza, that's my catchphrase, sin vergüenza, which means like, just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> On the closing day of American Mariachi, I kid you not, I cornered the head of the theater and said, boy, the turnout for American Mariachi was pretty incredible, huh? Yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean, it's really special to see so many Mexican and Latino people fill the theater. It really is special. You know, Chris, we're thinking of doing a Latino show every year here at the Goodman. Oh. And we're excited to just continue building that audience. And then my, my ass said, here's why I think what you just said is exciting. Two months ago, we just closed a show called Lucha Teot, and it is a Mexican pro wrestling play where it is a play, but there's real matches and Aztec gods, you know, gave him the whole elevator pitch. And he was like, that sounds really interesting. And I said, yeah, so just expect an email from me in a couple of months and weeks, try to set up a meeting. You know, this is at the end of 2021, and we set up meetings and conversations went on for over a year until finally all the cards were laid out and every the planets aligned and they asked if they could produce it. So it was uh, definitely a long process of back and forth. But I like to believe that the Goodman sees the investment in this. As I said, it's we're entering uncharted territory in the American theater and how exciting that they get to be a part of that. Because who knows where this project goes after this, I have an idea and we're hoping, you know, I'm hoping that if Goodman goes along for the ride, then, you know, more power to them. So when you do the show in Dallas, how was the attendance and how did you get the word out that you guys are putting on this unique type of play? A lot of a lot of the media, uh, ABC News and the newspaper, as soon as you hear the mere concept of a Lucha Libre play with Aztec gods, it already catches the attention and the imagination of a lot of people. Of course, the news media was immediately interested in it. The Dallas Morning News did a whole spread about our show and the whole cast was able to come in in suits and dresses with luchador masks. And we really, Jeff and I really tackled it head on in terms of letting people know because we know Dallas's history with pro wrestling is huge sure with the Von Erics we wanted a lot of the people to know that like hey Dallas has a rich history in pro wrestling come to this building and come experience what we would say was the return of theater 
This was in the summer of 2021. So remember, there was no live performance. There was no theater because of COVID. So we were one of the very first productions back from the pandemic. And we were marketing it as come celebrate the return of theater in this bombastic, immersive experience of Lucha Teol. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it, it was uncharted territory. So we had the script. We had the matches. We rehearsed everything. And then it was opening night. And it was like, well... If it bombs, we at least we tried. <laughs> Within the first 15 minutes, the audience was chanting, this is awesome. They were chanting Huitzi. They were booing the Rudos, cheering the technicals. And when it got to the main event, the climax of the show, it was so deafening that the balconies were literally shaking from people Mind you, most of these people having never been to a wrestling show, so involved and just connected to these characters that they were losing their voices. And and that was our opening night. And it just word of mouth, built and built and built. And about two weeks in, we received the news that the entire run sold out. Wow, that's great. Which was, you know, unheard of for a small nonprofit theater. And getting to see so many people. I mean, I had a friend of mine, God bless her. She was like, Chris you know, I really don't care about pro wrestling. I really don't. And I don't have a voice because of how invested (laughs) I was in this show. Comments like that is what means the world to Jeff and I, because it's like, all right, then mission accomplished. We are, you know, we're spreading the gospel, one would say, of the art of pro wrestling. It's great, too, that you're able to sell out that run because, I mean, I've done theater before and it's hard to to sell tickets for theater, mm-hmm. you know, especially, like you said, for a wrestling theme, which might have helped a bit, but it's not like there's wrestling fans clamoring to go out to, you know, Broadway to get their, you know, playbill and, and sit there and watch a, watch a, a theatrical wrestling play. Yeah, and that's why... I'm so excited to see how this Chicago turnout is, you know, as as you as we all know, Chicago was such a hot spot for professional wrestling. And we're, you know, we're trying to make this feel as authentic and as welcoming to a wrestling fan as possible so that they can feel like they're not just coming to watch a wrestling play. They can feel like, oh, I'm going somewhere that I know. I can, you know, we're going to have a merch stand with LTA t-shirts. <laughs> you can buy candy like while you're waiting for the show to start. You know, it, it really is years and years and years of going to wrestling shows is <laughs> just like, our brains are like, all right, this is what means so much to me as a fan. How can we make this an experience for other people in the audience? And, you know, I always say, like, if I was in the audience, what would I say? If we have a finish to the match, if I was in the audience, I'd be like, what a dumb finish. And, I, you know, and I'd be disappointed. But if I saw something that was really story driven, then I would be like, oh, wow, I appreciate that. It's all about it really is about the, the small things that only we would catch that go a long way. Now, Oski, were you in the Dallas show? As a matter of fact, uh, I was. A uh, <laughs> uh, funny story with that was that our, um, our originally I came in as their Lucha coordinator trained everyone what was it chris about five days before opening night uh it was 24 hours <laughs> i want to okay. you know what chris can tell the story a little bit better about how i ended up coming in as one of the actors but yeah it was i mean first time acting in theater i mean i've done 
TV shows and I've done a movie, but never have, you know, have I ever experienced it. How, how did he come in to be in the part, Chris? Yeah, Chris, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> out of out of respect, uh, I'm, I want to leave a lot of details out, but <laughs> long story short, uh, we lost we lost our lead actor. And Oski, being the coordinator and the agent for all the matches, knew it backwards and forwards. He he didn't have the lines memorized because why would he? You know, that's not his job. But 24 hours, he was able to come in. He's a good promo. So he was able to kind of get the gist of the lines and then do the matches. So how did you feel the, the, it went, uh, Oski, the, the, for the for the first run? Was the crowd popping at everything? And, and, and were, they, were you happy with how they were reacting? Did they know what to do? I mean, the crowd... It's like you literally went into a, a wrestling show. I mean, from the moment the opening bell to we closed down, the crowd was just hot. It was popping for everything. You could you couldn't tell me that you were at watching an actual theatrical play because that they've done shows for 22 years. I mean, for me personally, it was like I was at a show every every night. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So just going through a review here from Culture Map Dallas, they have created a 90-minute thrill ride that combines a simple but effective storyline with heart-pumping action, all executed with theatrical flawlessness by real local luchadors. So that's a hell of a review. Yeah. And I is always tell people, like, uh, wrestling is basically a live action play. Like, that's how I always try is. to refer sure. to wrestling. Like, because yeah. uh, when I tell people that I wrestle, it's still to the people think it's like Greco Olympic style wrestling. But then I explain to them, like, no, it's like professional wrestling. And I, t- I literally explain to it as a live action play. So this is literally the manifestation of that. Yeah. And, you know, and there's there is like, you know, as wrestling fans, there's moments where you find yourself getting choked up and like so emotionally invested in moments and the the good feeling of the of the hero overcoming the odds. That's such a special thing that we want to hopefully try to accomplish. Right. There's there was a YouTube video that I saw. It was like movies are pro wrestling. Yeah. On the last drag race, not the all stars one, but the regular version when I think it was. Oh, I can't remember who it was versus like a, a wrestling is drag. I'm like, yeah. You know, the, the story of Jinx Monsoon beating Alaska Talks is the story of Daniel Bryan beating the authority. I mean, like drag race is so similar to pro wrestling. It's crazy. Sorry, we're on, we went on a tangent, Chris. That's okay. Continue on. What is, what is similar? Oh, we, we, we were saying that the world of drag is just so similar to the world of pro wrestling. And Chris, I've heard you multiple times say that the world of stand-up comedian is pretty close to a pro wrestler when it comes to kayfabe and, mm-hmm. and traveling and all that. When looking at the world of drag queens, you know, and the pageantry and the personas and all that, it really, you can't help but look at at that lifestyle and say, this is so dang close to pro wrestling. And me, me and Paloma were big uh, drag race fans. And uh, we were talking about how some seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race, you swear you're watching 100%, <laughs> like, babyface heel storyline. Like, I just said Jinx Monsoon in season five 
going up against Relaska talks and going up against the odds is quite literally the Daniel Bryan authority storyline, <laughs> but in the world of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> well, there you go. I've never heard that uh, comparison before, but uh, <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to look into it. But I was going to ask you too, uh, Chris, how do you put together like a theatrical play? Obviously, you know, okay, like, like you and I, we write a script and then we pitch it. And then, you know, the, the, the Dallas Theater agrees to have the show. And how big is the theater? The Goodman Theater. Oh, so this is Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah. yeah uh, I want to say that the theater space holds about four to 500 people. Okay. So is that similar to the, to the size of the Dallas Theater that you performed in? Yes. With the exception being that in Dallas, we were, uh, we were working with strict COVID protocols. Gotcha. So even though it was like a 500 seat house, it was cut in half because we had to socially distance everyone. So it's the same size theater. So how do you build a set? I'm assuming you have the same set that you had in Chicago or similar, oh, it's a new set. What's kind of, how do you figure that part of it out? The, the production aspect of it? Yeah, so the Goodman, the Goodman uh, sat down with Jeff and I, and we started looking at reputable designers in the theater world. Our set designer is actually Anna Luisos, Tony Award-winning Anna Luisos. I'll give that to her. Wow. She was the designer of Avenue Q and uh, In the Heights on Broadway, and she's actually our set designer, and she really has created such a gorgeous set that just feels like a high-budget professional wrestling league. And when it comes to discussions, it was like, just like you would with any arts it's like all right here's the goal we want the audience to walk in and feel like they walked into a well-funded touring 30-year-old history wrestling company called lta it needs to feel like the aztec world through the eyes of a wrestling promoter so she said awesome so she sent us a couple of renderings and then from there we gave notes and then finally found the final product at one point the ring posts were going to be like aztec stone Theater is expensive, so that had to go. <laughs> <laughs> but all the ideas are are still there. In Dallas, God bless us, we were so limited. It was a couple of platforms stacked on top of each other to make a pyramid. And this Chicago version is that fully realized with a budget and LED lights and smoke and all the stuff. Paloma, so this is your first appearance because you weren't in the Dallas show, correct? Correct. Right. I wasn't. How much do you have to rehearse? How much are you guys uh, going over this? Uh, have you started rehearsals yet? Not yet. We're actually starting rehearsals really soon. Uh, we were going to rehearse all month long and our uh, preview starts September 29th and opening night is October 9th. It runs through October 29th. And so I'm very excited about that. I think it actually even lines up with Hispanic Heritage Month really, really nicely as well. So I know we're going to be rehearsing five times a week and it's going to be like we're working and once the show starts, we're going to be like, it's going to be working like eight shows a week. I'm like, I even yeah. told Chris this. It's like well, I'm working back in the territory days except not having to travel you know not having yeah, exactly. to through towns yeah i just had to jump on the red line real quick as opposed to like making the towns and driving the miles right, right, so right, right, wrestling right. eight shows a week i mean that's more wrestling than i've done my whole career i mean, never have had the opportunity to wrestle eight times a week anytime so i'm definitely going to use this as an experience to work to help uh, not only help out my wrestling career but help out even my acting career as well i definitely would love to go, go into that because there's definitely way more days behind me that are ahead of me in wrestling. I've been doing this for 
too long, almost too long, I would think. Uh, definitely my body's feeling it. So if I could like pivot to a place where I could just uh, wrestle eight times a week and I don't have to beat up my body as much because I'm not driving as much because really that's what really beats up my body at least is the traveling, the driving, the sitting in the cars, the waiting for the airplanes. But I'm very excited to get into it, start training. I've been reading the script. I'm not, I'm going to admit, don't know all my lines yet, but hey, I've been reading over and over it. So hopefully you'll get there. And I feel like it's just like, trying to remember a wrestling spot it's just like, like trying to remember promo, those yeah. lines exactly yeah. so i almost feel like i have a, a leg up on this uh, as opposed to like just the actors are not wrestlers because i feel like it correlate everything back to wrestling because it is wrestling i feel like i do that with all my life anyway like oh this is just cutting a promo this is just like going through a spot so i feel right. like i could definitely correlate yeah. both like oh whenever i say this line it like correlates with a spot or so so i'm very excited to just basically it's everything that i love and want and i can't wait to show the world literally on the stage what i could do because i think this is uh, such a great opportunity to showcase wrestling in a different light because for some reason wrestling is seen as such a low brow art form but in reality it's such an influence in everyday life and everyday culture that I'm glad we could finally put it in the higher pedestal that it deserves to be on. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So, Oski, you know, we're talking earlier about, about, you know, you kind of choreographing the matches and helping people to, to figure out what to do. But, and this is something I was going to ask you, Chris, as well. Like a Broadway play, obviously, is something where it's very regimented. You do the same thing every night. Everybody knows their lines. The only difference with pro wrestling is there's always the X factor that something could go wrong in the ring and somebody could get actually hurt. So it would seem to me that the matches, much like you mentioned Glow, where you don't watch Glow to watch five-star matches. You watch Glow for the story, and they show a couple body slams and a couple hip tosses. Not that that couldn't still hurt you, but Oscar, are you trying to put together matches with less emphasis on the high spots and the danger and more of just some, here's some wrestling going on that leads to the next part of the story? When I, uh, through the brainstorming of uh, you know, me, Chris, and Jeff, uh, we want to make sure that we don't want to leave anything on the table. We want to make sure that people leave thinking, man, did we just see a play or we actually saw a wrestling show? Right. And yes, you're right. I mean, the X factor is always there. And that is one of the biggest things that I, I've always been an advocate about is, uh, you know, anything can happen. You know, we know how we get in the ring, but we don't know how we're going to get out. So I've always been mindful of knowing, OK, so let's take this as a wrestling show. Anything can happen. We're going to take care of each other as much uh, the best that we can. So every match correlates with storylines that the production that the play is you know trying to project out to the audience i mean one match we you know you'll see a little bit of high flying and uh, another match you will see nothing but maybe just tumbling a lot of you know holds a lot of, you know chain wrestling and it's just kind of the idea of just keeping the level of the match uh, as safe as possible for everyone that's going to take part of it but also based on their strengths and weaknesses that's one of how I'm kind of putting everything together just to make sure, you know, that and uh, whatever we can see that we can prevent, for sure. uh, we can tweak and, you know, be prepared for the next show. So that way, you know, it still still has the same caliber of match, 
but it's still a little bit more safer. Chris, do you do you, how do you see this show? Is is it more of a play? Is it more of a wrestling show? Like how important are the quality of the matches to you in comparison to the quality of the overall performance and the show and how it comes together? Yeah, I mean, I think you you know you hit the nail on the head when you said you know you don't watch Glow for five star matches, you don't watch Heels for five star matches, you watch it for the storytelling, right? And and I would say the same thing goes for our production. You know, you're not going to see you know crazy topes outside of the ring, and you know, and swanton bombs galore. This you know we're talking eight times a week, so we do have to be smart about what we're doing. I love the comparison that Paloma said that it's almost like we're going into the territory days, right? And I believe that. Oski has even said when when doing research of how to produce these matches, he's looking at a lot of territory days, pro wrestling and lucha libre, because that was the schedule that they did eight, nine times a week. And you had to be smart about how you were using your body and how you were pushing the psychology and the story forward. So when it comes to the overall picture, I believe that that Jeff and I most importantly want the story to be moving forward and make sure that the pro wrestling is enhancing that. And as I'm sure, you know, you know, as an artist, that doesn't always mean crazy high spots and bumps. It really means slowing down and making each moment count, making each cell count to tell the appropriate story that we're trying to tell. So when you are, are wanting to get the word out, obviously this is a big deal. It's There's going to be a lot of rehearsals. Like you said, you're rehearsing so many weeks beforehand to do eight shows a week. You want to get the word out in Chicago. I mean, Dallas is a big city, but Chicago seems to even be more of a whirlwind city as for so much activities and so many plays and theater. So what are you planning on doing to try and get people to get into this? Well, I mean, I think right now is a wonderful opportunity being on the Talk is Jericho podcast. So. Oh, there you go, for sure. So I want to say to to all the wrestling fans or non-wrestling fans listening, uh, come to the Goodman Theater from September 29th to October 29th to uh, have a theatrical experience that you'll never forget. Once again, wrestling fans, come in, show the theater people how we do it. Uh, this is a, a wrestling play for people that love pro wrestling and for people that don't know they love pro wrestling yet. On top of that, we're also going to do our media rounds. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe there will be a flyer or two on a car window <laughs> just kind of advertising the show because like i said we we want the community to feel respected and we want them in the door chris as we start to wind down here you mentioned earlier that you had kind of an overall plan and kind of idea for what you want to do with with lucha Tiot in the future uh what is that idea Phase one was get the show to world premiere in Dallas. Uh, phase two was always going to the Goodman Theater in Chicago and hopefully lighting up the place. In my mind, phase three is getting it produced nationwide. Who who knows if that means, you know, getting the eyes on a commercial producer in New York. I believe that the show is unique enough that they should definitely take a look. But quite honestly, Chris, the end game for us is to translate this show in Spanish and have a residency in Mexico City proper and be able to hire luchadores from Mexico City to play these parts and wow. live in Mexico City so that anyone, any tourist that comes to Mexico City can go visit the pyramids, learn about Quetzalcoatl, Huitzilopochtli, Coyoshauqui during the day, and then that night go to the theater 
and watch those same gods fighting in the middle of the ring. That is the dream I'm manifesting to the world that in a couple of years, this show will be a residency in Mexico City and we will get uh, the opportunity to change multiple lives of tourists and people coming to visit Mexico City and the pyramids. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, right? Because Lucha Libre in Mexico has such history, and they are kind of like the superheroes of Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I don't see why you wouldn't want to go down that road and give it a try. It's, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, and 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 listen, we've we've manifested it this far. I truly believe in just speaking it out loud and busting ass until we get there. Last question for you guys. Uh, what's your favorite scene in the play and what are you most looking forward to uh, in October in Chicago? We'll start with you, Oski. My most favorite scene was uh, the last match. The last match of the uh, of the play. I mean, I can't give too much out about it, but definitely it's a nail-biter. The psychology behind the last match is definitely puts everything together. And what am I expecting? I mean, I'm, expect, I'm expecting for all the uh, Rasa, the, you know, everyone out there that, like Chris said, everyone that in the theater community, everyone in the pro wrestling community, go out there and support a beautiful art that is uh, the theater. What is your name? What is your character name in the play? Right now, I am the lucha coordinator for the for the entire play. But am I am I free to say Chris now? Or yeah, I, by the time this releases, <laughs> the cast will be out. Okay, so I am going to be Ketza for this time around. Last uh, Dallas, I was Coyle, but this time around, I'm going to be Ketza. And Ketza's the hero. No, he's the villain. Rudo. Yeah, I'm gonna be the Rudo, but I'm gonna be the veteran. Yeah. All right, Paloma. How about you? What's your favorite scene? I know you haven't uh, memorized all your lines. Is there a scene you're looking forward to? And what are you what are you expecting out of this play? Definitely. Uh, there's a scene where like Goyle is just like beating everybody up, just going to town, just like burning it down, like just a house of fire. And I feel like that's what I think I look like in the ring when I'm in the ring. So I feel like that's the what I look forward to because I feel like I could really channel my wrestling persona, which being like the Sriracha Muchacha, bringing that fire, bringing that heat to it. I know it's great. So I feel like that's really going to be a big epic moment of it where I can like bring all my experiences and come full circle with the storytelling of the play because it's awesome that it's such a woman forward facing uh play and story like it's that has such a great woman-led production that it's awesome that i can play that and i feel like i'm such a big proponent of raising women's wrestling so i feel like even in this certain way even though it's not a traditional wrestling show i hope that people come to the play and see it either whether they see it as a wrestling show or see it as a play they see it as a woman being empowered is they Mm -hmm. see a woman in the men industry taking ass and taking names so regardless of how they see it, I want to be that forefront, want to bring more attention to women's wrestling as a whole. And just like being a women empowered and that women can do anything and everything that men can and just see being seen as an equal. I really want for people to come here and be like, oh, that was awesome. I don't want people to say, like, oh, she was great for a girl. Like, oh, she's a good woman right. wrestler. I just want to be a good actor, be a good wrestler without anything before or after that. So I'm really excited to be able to show that. And I'm really excited to learn my lines. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, take it home, man. Favorite scene, and what are you looking forward to most in Chicago? 
Man, I'm biased as one of the as one of the creators of this. But if I had to choose, I'm, I'm probably going to have to, you know, agree with Oski. And that is the main event of the show. You know, everything builds to that climactic main event, WrestleMania-esque ending to the show, knowing how high the stakes are for that main event and then allowing that main event to transition into a very meaningful and theatrical moment is my favorite part because we have this very loud and exciting uh, 90 minutes of play and then the ending is actually very intimate and beautiful and theatrical. And to me, as someone that lives and breathes theater and lives and breathes professional wrestling, that is my two loves in one and I could not be happier with that. Well, I'm excited to see how it does, man. And it's uh, it sounds like quite the evening out, whether you're a big fan of wrestling or not, if you're a fan of the theater. And it's a great idea. And congratulations to you guys for uh, for making it happen. Thank you. And tickets. Break a leg. Uh, tickets are on sale. <laughs> you can go ahead and get those at www.goodmantheater.org slash lucha. It might be the one play in history that you don't want to say break a leg to. <laughs> you're absolutely right and Chris we'd love to see you there if you ever here in Chicago while the show is running we'd love to see you in the audience for sure I'll check the dates and see you I'll I'll be wearing a blue demon mask (laughs) (laughs) thanks guys congratulations best of luck thank you Chris thank you Chris